Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with my good buddy, Alex Bardo. How you doing, man? Hey brother, I am blessed. Thank God I'm crossing my fingers that uh, the Wi-Fi continues to hold up for me. But uh, brother, I'm blessed, man. I'm, I love doing this and uh, love your podcast and your show. So it's uh, it's an honor to be on. Yeah, man. And uh, you know, I, I had the, the honor of being on your show recently. Uh, I, I think that episode's about to drop soon, the Flip Empire podcast. So check that it out when, when that comes out. Uh, you know, it, we had a great time. I got a lot of feedback because I, I think I was one of the early episodes where you were actually streaming it live on Facebook. Correct. Uh, so yes. People have seen seen the interview, and uh, you know, I got a lot of lot of positive feedback from the show because, man, you really made me just kind of come out and be you know honest and transparent, and and it was it was a good time. So for anybody that hasn't seen that, go on Alex's Facebook or just wait until it comes out on the Flip Empire podcast. But uh, looking forward to, to kind of diving into your career and everything that's been going on. You know, we, we named the show Discovering Your Passion While Building a Flip Empire. And, uh, you know, I kind of just want to dive into that here in a little bit. But, you know, for the people that don't know you and, and haven't heard your story, you know, how long have you been in real estate investing and, and what what brought you to real estate investing? How'd you get started? Yeah, thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Anytime I, I can hop on here and share my story and, and hopefully um, inspire or help people, that, that's what it's all about for me. So right. uh, RJ, man, I, I can think back to when I was 11, 12 years old, I grew up playing baseball and I, I would spend basically the entire weekend at the baseball park and they would have vendors after the games that would buy, uh, essentially sell baseball cards. And dude, I, I was, I started buying boxes and I started buying sets and baseball cards and, and then my friends liked what I was buying. And so I ended up flipping them and I would make like a buck a card or something. And I didn't, I had no idea about wholesaling or flipping or anything, right. like that. but I think that's when it was kind of instilled in me that I always wanted to do something for myself. And fast forward about eight to nine years, I got into college and I don't know if it was the the prestige or something about it. Maybe it was my ego at the time, but I wanted to be like a big shot at a corporation. I wanted to be the CEO of like a big fortune 100 fortune 500 company. So I started interviewing with like the Johnson and Johnson's of the world and GE. And I ended up getting accepted into GE's financial management program, which basically is designed to groom the future CFOs and CEOs of, of the different GE companies. Yeah. Uh, Brother, three months into that job, averaging 70 to 80 hours a week, I was getting cross-eyed from looking at Excel and PowerPoint all day. Absolutely hated it. Hated it. Um, I looked at my boss and their boss and their boss and all the way up to the CEO of GE. And I'm like, I, I would never want to do this for the rest of my life. Right. So at that point, I was still working about 70 hours a week. But on the weekends and at nights, I would start educating myself. Came across uh, Carlton Sheets, No Money Down. Spent a couple hundred bucks on that, and I started just educating myself on real estate. And then that led me to Rich Dad Poor Dad and so on and so on. So uh, by the time my two-year contract with GE was up, like I knew it was time to make my exit. So um, I decided to backpack around Europe for three months with a couple right. of friends. 
And I was sitting at an internet cafe in Ibiza and we were partying. I was you know, relatively young guy, 24 years old. And, and a, a buddy of mine, Ray, sent me uh, an email inviting me to a, a boot camp called Marketing for Deals. Uh, a guy by the name of Dave Lindahl. Some people might know him, big apartment guy. Yeah. And it was 997 bucks. And I'll never forget that was a defining moment in my life because I had essentially funded my European vacation on a credit card. I was about seven grand in the hole. I didn't have any money. And I was like, man, 997 bucks. Like that was a lot of money to me back then. Right. And not that it's not a lot of money now, but it's just back then it, it felt like a million bucks to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I almost didn't do it. And I ended up giving my friend my credit card and he booked it for me. A month later, I got back from the from, from Europe to the States. I attended that boot camp. And then long story short, dude, I swiped one of the pre-foreclosure letters I got in that manual, not knowing what I was doing. I literally made photocopies of it. You can still see like the three ring binder. And I sent out about 300 and something letters to people in pre-foreclosures. Um, I started getting phone calls, had no idea what I was doing. I was kind right. of flipping through the script they gave me and dude, I landed an appointment. I think like my third or fourth appointment, I ended up locking my first deal up. And about 60 days later, uh, I got a check for about $44,000. Wow. So, uh, yeah, man, so many lessons learned in, in just process, but someone to fire and then aim times and not that served me well in my life and business there's a few times that it's kind of bitten me in the butt but uh but yeah man that's my story in a in a relatively small nutshell i love it can i can i share a story with you that i've never shared with Please. I, I don't think i've shared it with anybody so so you're you're continuing the trend of making me open up and be more transparent than i've ever been so you, you talked about when you were you know early on in your career you you wanted because of your ego is kind of what you said you wanted to be part of one of those fortune 100 companies so i had a moment in in college um i was a freshman in college at, at the university of north texas and i'm living in the dorms and for anyone that you know went to college i don't know if it's still the same way but this is early 2000 this was 2003 2004 right and, and back then when you went to college and you were living in dorm rooms, the credit card companies literally set up tables outside the dorm rooms and were like, sign up here, sign up here. And there was always like headhunters like finding you and they're like, do you want to make a lot of money? Do you want to make a lot of money? Well, this was early on and, and I still hadn't become immune to that, right? I didn't mm -hmm. realize, hey, just keep your head down and walk past them, go to class. And uh, this guy came up and he was like, hey man, uh, do you want to learn how to make? And he threw out like a very large number. I, you know, it was probably like five thousand dollars a week or something to me. Yeah. And then I was like, sure. And he's like, okay, uh, let's go down to the local coffee house, and I'll explain what I'm doing. And he essentially told me he was wholesaling real estate, but at the time I had no idea what he was telling me, and I was like this is the biggest scam in the world. I can't believe you're, and he was like, no, RJ, look. And he like shows me like a picture of the car he's driving. And he's like, you know, you, you have to do this. Like, man, this is my car and I bought it with cash. And I'm, I'm just going to classes at North Texas, just like you. And I remember there was a, like the ego side of me yeah. that I was like, what well, would be really cool to say I was in real estate. 
Because if you if you say you're in real estate, that means you've got money, right? That's what I tell myself. But I, I remember I was just like, there's no way in the world that I could buy real estate without any money. And so I actually walked away and just basically told them, you know, go away, that this is a scam. And now here, lo and behold, you know, now this is what I do 17 years later. So life is funny that way, man. I, I think, and there, there's so many valuable lessons to me. I, I think generally speaking, I see so many people that are skeptics, right? Yeah. And I think that's such a, you, you gotta be smart. You can't be naive. I'm not, I'm not saying to be naive, but you have to be open-minded to opportunities. And I know part of what we're going to figure out or talk about rather is, uh, you know, discovering your passion. I see so many people that get into this business or any business for that matter, because they see somebody else doing it. And, um, you know, it's just, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not happy, uh, what's the point is kind of my mindset. And don't get me wrong, man. Sometimes you have to eat crap, you know, and sometimes you have to kind of like, uh, you know, learn and, and, and take the bumps. And, and sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do in order to get ahead. You know, it's that saying you have to slow down to speed up. It's better to sharpen the ax and then start cutting the tree down versus just grabbing the ax. Um, but you know, if, if you're in, if, if you find yourself in a spot where you just, you're not happy and you've been doing this for a while, ask yourself if this is what you really want, you know, and, and I'll let you kind of drive, drive the interview obviously, but um, it, it sucks when people are doing things and they're just not happy, you know, happy. No, and you and I both did that, man. You know, I, I ended up becoming a restaurant manager. I actually thought about changing my degree to, you know, hospitality management. And I thought this is what I want to do, but just because to be honest with you, when you're 18, 19 years old, you don't know what your passion is yet. I mean, to be quite frank, my passion was not in anything. It was, I wanted to play sports, you know I'm I mean? That's all I had done my whole life. It's like, yep. I want to play football, I want to play hockey, baseball, whatever it is, and 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 making money and all of that. So it was very, very difficult. That's something I really struggled with was like, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? And to be quite honest with you, I was so naive, like you're talking about that. I, I didn't even know that there was an opportunity. What I ended up doing now, I, I didn't even know this was a thing, you know, and yeah. And so it is very tough to, to find yourself in a position where you're not. And, and look, you and I both have podcasts. We get people that reach out to us all the time that are, you know, asking us for help. And they're telling us their stories of I'm stuck in my job and I'm miserable and I want to get out of this. And, and, you know, they ask us how we were able to do it. I always tell people, look, I just... I cut it all off and I, yeah. I put my back up against the wall and said, I have to do this. Yeah. So when you made the decision that, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Did you kind of, did you, obviously you made the $44,000 pretty quickly. Did that continue down that path or did you kind of have to make the decision to go all in and say, Hey, I'm really going to make this my career path. How did, how did that kind of come about? RJ, for me, you know, you were super vulnerable on my show and I have so much respect for just people like you that are authentic, man. Let me, let me just get vulnerable now myself. So I was 25 years old when I left my corporate job and I moved back home. And when I say I moved back home, I mean, I literally moved back home. I was living in the second, uh, on the second floor of my parents' house at 25 years old. I don't know about you, but that's not the best look, you know? No. Now, look, some I was fortunate that I had that safety net because I literally right. had no money. 
um, you know, when I, when I got to GE, I was making $50,000 a year, which at the time I thought, wow, like I've, I've made it, you know, I'm 22 years old, I'm making 50 grand a year, uh, state taxes and everything else that doesn't go very far, you right. know, and I didn't have much money saved. So dude, I ended up moving back in my parents' house at 25 years old. I remember being in the living room, um, stuffing envelopes and, 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 and putting stamps and sending out letters. And I'm like, I'm 25. Like I, I, sh I shouldn't be living at home. Like I, I want to go out and start like at this point, I thought I would have had an established career. And at the time I didn't know it, but I had viewed my GE experience as a failure. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I, I went out and I got a double major in college. I, I got this corporate job and I ended up hating it. Um, now I, I see it was one of the biggest blessings in my life. Yeah. But to answer your question directly, that was fueling me at the time. That was driving me as I wanted to go out and do my own thing. I didn't want to be living in my parents' house being supported by them. Um, I just, I was a man at that point. At least that's how I saw myself. And so I, I experienced success early on. I, I'd love to say I had this like rags to riches story, but the truth is, is I guess because I was naive at the time and I took so much action and I was doing so much, things were happening for me. Um, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way and right. I lost, I lost it, you know, fast forward two years later, 2007, I had no idea that the market was about to crash. I had been wholesaling for the first couple of years. I probably wholesaled, I don't know, 40, 50 houses, those first couple of years. And I decided to get into my first rehab on a half million dollar project. Um, and probably dude, not I, the best decision, right? It was a horrible decision. So I ended up partnering with someone. We lost a, basically just over a hundred grand in the deal. I lost $51,000 of my own money. Mm -hmm. And that was another defining moment for me when I said, if I would have had a coach or a mentor by my side, I would have never gotten in this deal. Yep. At that time, I had looked at coaching and mentoring as a big expense. It was like five grand they were charging here locally. I'm like, I'm not going to spend $5,000 for someone to like teach me this business. I'll just figure it out. Right. Huge mistake. Huge yeah, mistake. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, I think everybody's heard my horror story on my first virtual flip. Uh, I think we lost like $200,000 on that, mm. but we did have a partner. So that was, that was split down the middle, kind of like yours. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I look back at that flip and I'm like, you know what? That taught me everything that I needed yeah. to learn to get to the point where I'm at today. So as much as I, I despise that, that property on Carolina Street in San Antonio, Texas, I look back at it and say, you know what? It, it did allow me to learn quite a bit to get to where we are today. I want to go back to something that you said, though. You know, when you were kind of talking about what fuel, what, what gave you the fuel to, to do this was to get out of your, your parents' house, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I've had a lot of people ask me this question. Like, I just recently changed the cover photo to the podcast. And, and I've got this, you know, yelling face. I look angry. My, my Facebook profile is, is me with this angry face. And everybody that knows me is reaching out to me, like even my mom, my sister. No, like, RJ, you're such a happy guy. Like, literally, you're smiling all the time. Why, why are you so angry? You know, what are you doing? And, and it's so funny because the way I motivate myself, the way I've always gotten motivated is by having a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And, and I recently competed in, in the Closers Olympics, right? Congratulations, by the way. And I, and I had a great first round, and, and everybody was talking about it. And then I got defeated in the second round, which I thought I, I won. And I think the majority of the people thought I won, but the judges didn't. So I lost. And, and look, as cheesy as it might sound, 
I'm putting the chip on my shoulder. I found something. It's what fuels me. So I yep. put the chip on. I'm angry. And, and I got to go. I have something to prove now. That's that's me finding what fuels myself and, and to translate. I mean, Cassie was telling me yesterday, she's like, Archie, you're like a completely different person since the Closers Olympics. Like, it's like you're rejuvenated almost. Yeah, I get and, it. And it's because I found that fuel. So for you... You know, you had the fuel of, I got to get out of my, my parents' house, right? But what's the fuel after that happened? Like, you know, now now that's gone. So what, what kept you going at that point in time? At, at that point, RJ, by the way, I'm so glad that you shared that story because, you know, the last dance with documentary of Michael Jordan, the Chicago yep. Bulls, that, that was recently released. And I'm sure a lot of people saw that. One of the things I saw, I learned about Michael Jordan is how he would basically fabricate stories in his mind to fuel himself, right? Yes. Whether it was somebody that was talking trash that really wasn't, but he made but he made himself believe they were. So, so this is a self-awareness game. You got to figure out what motivates you, what drives you. And it's going to be different for everyone. At that time, um, it was getting out of my parents' house. And also for me, RJ, the fear of having to go back and get a nine to five job was so much greater than the fear of failing in that business. Like when I lost $51,000, it sucked, but the thought of going back and getting a job was so much worse than losing basically one year's salary at a corporate job. Like for me, that wasn't an option. Um, right. And I'm the type of person when I tell myself I'm going to do something, I do it. Like come hell or high water, uh, like there's just no options. And I think the, the takeaway if you're listening is when you get to a place mentally where you have to succeed or you're going to die trying, that's when you'll succeed. You know, I think about Eric Thomas. He's got that famous quote of, you'll be successful when you want success more than you want oxygen or something like that. Yeah. You know? um, it's kind of the same thing. You have to get to a point mentally where you can't just talk about it. You have to be about it. And for me, dude, A, I was getting out of my parents' house ASAP. B, there was no way I was going to go back and get a nine to five job. Now, now what fuels me is helping other people. Like I have a very clearly defined vision for what I want my life to look like. And I live a, a, a vast majority of it. And I want to be an inspiration for people. That's why I launched the podcast. I, that's why I love getting on here because I'm hoping that if my story connects with even one person, it's so worth it. So now my life is really about others. You know what yeah. I mean? And don't get me wrong. I don't want to make it sound all altruistic. Like I have goals and I have things I want in my life. Um, but impacting and giving to others is a big part of that. Absolutely, man. I woke up this morning to a message um, from a gentleman that I've met one time at, at a, a local RIA meeting, uh, but he had actually, he's not even from here. He's from Ohio. And uh, he said, RJ, I watched you at the Closers Olympics and I realized that I was doing everything wrong because I never tried to close the seller. I always tried to finesse them to the mm. point where they were willing to sell. And he's like, I saw how aggressive you were and I've implemented it and I'm closed. I closed the deal last week, made $10,000. I've got another one closing that I'm going to make $20,000. I'm using some of the lines that you did. I mean, I think the guy was a little bit like shocked with my response where I'm like, dude, this is the best thing I've heard all week. You know, like, this is amazing. Thank you for sharing that because like you said, that's why we do this. Um, but I want to circle back to the, the you know, you talked about the last dance and how Michael Jordan would make up stories because while you were just saying that, 
it's funny because if anybody can go back and look at all of the the posts for the closers olympics prior to it and people were saying i think steven morales is going to win and i would literally go on there and reply and say hashtag noted and other people would say i think quentin flores is going to win and rj was the guy that was replying hashtag noted like i love just, it just keep adding the chip on my shoulder like i see what you are saying and and i did i created this story going into it that yeah. i'm the underdog no no one thinks i'm supposed to be here someone thinks somebody else should be competing in this i, I don't even have a spot on the roster yeah and and it, that's the thing that about finding that fuel whatever it is I know that mine is very unique and most people are not going to have the kind of crazy right. mind that I do. But like you said, you found it and now you found a different passion, which is you want to help people. So yeah. you talk about, you know, the podcast creating that. I know that you have a mastermind, but when you say you want to help people, look, a lot of people say that nowadays. What do you mean yeah. by that? And what does that actually look like moving forward in the future? Great question, brother. Um, and there, there's there's a lot of different ways I can I can approach this one and tackle it. Um, to a certain degree, I don't want to say I want to end suffering. That's something that Tony Robbins would say, and he's doing it like on a global, massive scale. So I don't even want to like go down that road. But um, this 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 business has been a phenomenal vehicle for me to. Uh, for me to attract money, for me to uh, attract certain people in my life, for me to pay off debts, for me to have a certain lifestyle. And, but it's just that it's a vehicle. It's a means to the, to the end. Similar to you, RJ, when I get a testimonial because somebody heard my podcast and it allowed them to do X, Y, Z, or when one of my coaching clients inside of a send, you know, now their relationship was on the rocks, like on, on, on the verge of divorce. And now they're in a completely different place. When I hear stories like that, brother, it just, it, there, there's a level of fulfillment that I can't really put into words. It's, it weighs so much more on me than when we close a big deal. Don't get me wrong. I'm super grateful for, for the money that the real estate business provides and closing deals, but right. I'm so past that point in my life. And we were talking offline. It's not about chasing deals anymore. I get more fulfillment from my team winning than it is from the fact that we closed another deal. And, and it's great to help another homeowner and all that. But at one point, a couple of years ago, RJ, I kind of felt like I was getting tapped on the shoulder by God, you know, and, and whatever everyone's beliefs are, mine are, I'm, I'm a God-fearing man. And, and for me, I felt like God was telling me, Alex, there's so much more I want you to do with your life than just go from real estate deal to real estate deal and build a wholesaling business in South Florida. And I, and I started to work with my personal coach and I started to just do a lot of inner work on what does that even mean? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I started to ask myself questions like, what does success look like? Like what, what gives me energy? What drains me? And I started to ask myself all these kind of like in the cloud type questions. And um, little by little, it started to unfold that when I get energized, when I get fulfilled is when I know I've had an impact on somebody's life. And so now the type of work that we do inside of Ascend is not, it's not just a real estate mastermind. Real estate is just a vehicle, like I've said before, but it's, it's about designing a vision for your life, getting crystal clear on what that is. And then we help people uh, create, modify, or tweak their current business to support the lifestyle they want. I see so many people, RJ, do the reverse. 
they're they're so focused on making money and deal deals and building a business and yet their personal life is kind of in shambles to a certain degree you know if you think about the wheel of life and you chop it up into a pie and you put the different areas from spiritual financial health career finances fun relationships most people's wheels very lopsided they might be doing great financially but their relationships suck or they might have really good support system and relationships, but they can't get the money figured out. Um, I like to take a little bit of a more balanced approach. And I do that by starting with life, getting clear on what you want your life to look like. And then we help people design a, a business. So that's the type of uh, coaching, mentoring, and mastermind that, that I love to be a part of, where it's not just about the X's and O's of how to close more deals and make more money. I think that's great. And I think that's important. Uh, but I think what's so much more important is spending time on figuring out what you want your life to look like versus spending all this time on business and making money, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And and I completely agree that, you know, the wheels get lopsided, right? And and I think what's great about you is is I see you always talk about you're a family man first, right? And and then on your website, flipempire.com. It's even got on there that that you openly talk about that you're a God fearing man. Like the fact that you have made that decision where other people might be afraid to say that because maybe someone that doesn't have the same beliefs, you know, won't follow you. But you have made the the firm stance that, hey, I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna say these things and this is who I am. You're you're true to yourself, you're authentic. Yeah. Um, and and look. For anyone that's listening right now, it's like, hey, what is this? How is this going to help me in my real estate business? If you're feeling that way, then this podcast is exactly what you need to be listening to right now. Because it's not about lists or what marketing you're doing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every list works. Every form of marketing works. We could go over it over and over and over again. But I've he's done more podcasts than I've done. How many, how many podcast episodes have you done? Like 400 or 421, 421. I've done, you know, this is going to be like 133. Right. And, and at that, so you're talking about 500 plus episodes. Let me tell you, we've had people come on and talk about bandit signs work, driving for dollars works, direct right. mail work, cold calling. They all, work. all works, right? Everybody it's just different. They just made a commitment to it. But if this is not right and, and you don't have the right, I like mindset going into your business as either the owner or a partner in it, then you are not going to find the success that you're going after. And so what Alex is talking about here with making sure you have a balanced life, this is probably the question that I get asked more often. Like I I just did a podcast last night with HBHS guys uh, down in San Antonio. And it shocked me because the whole time we're talking about closing, sales, this and that. And then all of a sudden, out of somewhere, nowhere, someone says, how do you balance work life? Hmm. And, and I'm like, wow, we weren't even talking about this. Yeah. So for you, when you say I'm a family man first and, and I want to help change lives, how do you actually find that balance? What what steps did you take for people to, to sit there and say, hey, I want to I want to go down this path. That sounds great. But right now I, I, I feel like I have to work 24 hours a day, but I'm not yeah. seeing my kids. I'm not seeing my wife or my husband. How do you manage that? You know what's crazy, brother? 
I've experienced this numerous times and there's been times most recently, a couple of months ago with COVID, I found myself completely out of work-life balance. When COVID-19 hit March 11th or whenever it was, dude, for that 60 to 75 day period, I worked more hours than I had in a long, long time, you know, and, and I, and I've, I've created structure and boundaries around my work week so that I can, you know, have breakfast with my family in the morning and talk to them. And I can have dinner every night and play with my girls and go out on date nights with my wife, all that kind of stuff. During COVID, I was completely out of whack, but I recognized it. And I, and I quickly saw that I'm getting away from my vision. You talk about work-life balance, you know, there's times where, where I feel it's a unicorn, like, man, it's, it's so hard to achieve work-life balance. And, and then I realized, no, it's not. This is your life. You, you, dude, you do what you want with it. If you want work-life balance, you can achieve work-life balance. You got to clearly define what that looks like for you. Um, you know, and I, and I think about, I think about so many times in my life, you know, you, you ask, how do I, how am I an inspiration for people? Number one, it's by the way I live my life. You know, you talked about being authentic. You talked about being real. You talked about taking a stance the, my belief is God has given each and every one of us a unique ability. He's given us a talent and it's your job to maximize that talent. And in doing so, I think naturally you're going to be an inspiration for other people. Um, so, you know, on weekends, I rarely work. If at all, I'm spending time with my family. Um, and if you're the opposite and you don't want to spend time with your family, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's no right or wrong here. It's just, I think it's only wrong if you're doing something and that's not what you want, you know, and, and for somebody out there that's working 80, 90 hours a week, here's, what's crazy. I have found sometimes that when you hit the pause button kind of reset and you take a step back, it opens up another world of opportunity and possibility for you because you're in a different headspace to see things differently, if that makes sense. So if you're working 80, 90 hours a week and you're just not seeing the results you want, take a step back. Matter of fact, one of the best exercises a mentor of mine told me years ago is every single year, this guy gets away for a weekend, two, three days, and he'll rent a nice place and it's just him and he essentially like, it's not no technology, it's a pen, a paper and his thoughts. And he gets out into the environment and he just thinks about what he wants for his life. And inevitably every single year he does this, he comes back and his business grows, his life flourishes. And I've been doing that, you know, and I don't take three days off because I got, you know, two little girls and I don't want to be away from them, but I'll always take a day off and I'll just go out by myself and dude, I'll just think, and I'll just kind of right. write. And, um, you come back with a clearer mind. And yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but right, it does. And, and it's funny because uh, I've said it numerous times. I'm like, I feel like I could walk into any real estate, single family real estate investors office and immediately diagnose some of the problems <laughs> and help them out. But yet for whatever reason, I can't do it for my own company. I get it. You know, and it's like, because we're so in it. Yeah. And we make excuses. Like I'm not going to walk into Alex Pardo's office and make an excuse for Alex. I'm going to come right. in and be like, what do you have a problem with lead gen? Here's the reason why. Like, let's look at the numbers. Here's, here's the reason. That's I right. come into my office and I'm like, well, we had to change this system. And, and we tried this list, but it was a little bit slower and, and okay, we had this person quit and that, that person was in training excuses, you know? And so what you're talking about is, it's kind of separating yourself from that, looking at it kind of from like an Eagle's view right. and then 
you're able to to make better decisions moving forward. And I think that's a great point, you know, and, and yep. going back to something else you said, where it's like, hey, for the people listening, it's like they want to work those 80, 90 hours. You're right. We're talking about balance for you and your desire and where you want to go. Right. And, and again, right. going back to our whole point is discovering your passion. Alex's passion is that he wants to help change people's lives and he wants to be there with his family. Your passion might be you want to build the, you know, a $50 million company and and you're not going to stop until you get to that point. Yeah, that's just not Alex's passion right now. That's not what he's wanting to do. So right. that's the important part is just finding out what it is exactly that you want to do. So I want to before you keep going, I think this is so like timely that you said that. And I think you're a thousand percent right. But I want to give people a little bit of a different perspective. I just pulled this up right now. Um, so this was posted in our Ascend Facebook group. One of our members shared this and I thought it was so spot on. It's a little bit of a different perspective than what you and I are talking about. And it's pretty short. Let me just read it here, RJ. It says, what do you want? Do you even know? Knowing what you don't want helps bring clarity on what you do want. So just flip it. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's such an easy shift. And it can really open up like what you do want. So many people are trying to figure out what do I want in my life? And we started the show kind of talking about that. What do you want for your life? How do you figure that out? So what I would challenge you to do if you're watching this or listening to this in the future, ask what you don't want. And that can reveal what you do want. So I, I just wanted to share that because we were talking about it. and It was in the moment. That's pretty crazy, man. And, you know, I was on a, a podcast with Antoine Campbell. And his last question is, is. Uh, where's RJ going to be in 10 years from now? And, and it was funny because I used to ask that question way back when I used to ask people, you know, what's your, where do you want to be in five years from now? And his was 10 years. And my answer was very generic, but it was essentially, I just want freedom to do whatever I want to do. That's basically, it wasn't, I'm going to own this many units or I'm going to have sold this many houses, or I'm going to be doing a gross revenue of this much or a net profit of this much. It was just, I want to be, I'm going to be 45 years old in 10 years. Yeah. I just want to be able to do what I want to wake up in the morning. I literally use the example. If I wake up in the morning, I want to go to Iceland. I'm, I'm there. I love it. I love it. You know, and I think that's important for everybody to realize that there's a difference between what do I need to do today to get to where I want to be? in the future. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of what I, I kind of struggle with at times because I am so passionate about real estate. And I, I'll say this, you might agree with this. How many guests do you get on that actually say real estate is their true calling? Honestly, not very many. Exactly. Most of, most of the guests and, and for a while I, I tried to hide that. But now I, I think it's like, hey, people need to realize this. Majority of the guests that come on are like, dude, this is just a vehicle. Dude, I'm, awesome. I'm beating the drum right now. I'm beating the drum right now. And, and this might surprise some people, but I'm, I don't want to say I'm over this business, but I'm over this business. And what I mean by that is that I'm not impressed or I'm not striving after the vanity metrics of how many deals a year did I close or how much money did, how much revenue did we generate? Like, don't get me wrong. Those are super, super important KPIs. And obviously that there's a laundry list of KPIs you need to know as a business owner. So I'm not poo-pooing that, right? What I'm saying is that's not what drives me anymore, right? right? 
like th those what I call vanity metrics that that's important within the context of business, but that's not what I'm after. What I'm after is happiness. What I'm after is fulfillment. What I'm after is living my vision and, and being passionate about what I'm doing. Um, and, and I get it, man. Look, if, if you're struggling financially and, and, and I've, I've been through those ups and downs, like it's, it's tough. And when you're in one of those down, uh, when you're in one of those troughs, I guess, as they would say, um, it's hard to think about that, but I think that's when you have to think about it. You know what I mean? I, I think that's the time where you have to like roll up your sleeves, so to speak, and say, what do I want for my life? And is the path I'm going down, what's going to get me to where I ultimately want to go? And I think there's a lot to be said for, for picking up certain skill sets and doing things like we talked about that you don't want to do, but just ask yourself if there's an end in sight. And if those are the skill sets that you're acquiring, that's going to lead you to ultimately where you want to go. Um, and if you don't know what you want to do, flip it, ask yourself, okay, what do I not want? And get clear on that. And, and look, here's the other thing. It's always evolving, right? Like this is not a take one day, write it down on paper and it never changes. Like since I've started the podcast, my mind has changed on multiple things. Take, for example, right now, my son is down in, in Austin, Texas at a hockey camp. I'm here working. This is a moment where I had to sit there and tell myself, I am not in the position that I want to be because where I want to be is down there at his hockey camp, spending the time all week with him and watching this amazing opportunity that he has. Yeah. But instead I had to tell myself, I haven't earned that yet and I can't do it. I have an obligation to not only my company, but also to my family to make sure that I support them. But mentally, I'm just like I talked about putting a chip on my shoulder mm -hmm. and the closing Olympics. This is a chip on my shoulder personally where I'm yeah. like, Dude, I, we should be further along. Like, I should be in a better place than I'm at today. Yeah. And and I've got to make some serious changes. Like, let's let's have that conversation. Let's talk about the fact that we're not where we want to be because I can't go do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And and it's important to have those conversations with yourself on a regular basis, and and not beat yourself up over it. No, exactly. But, but sit there and, and and talk about tangible days. That's when you start talking about okay. What are we doing internally in the business? And you start looking at those KPIs and things like that. But it all right. starts with with what you're mentally talking to yourself and you're saying to yourself throughout the process. Yeah. So, man, I, I love this this conversation because I think this is so important for people to understand. And you and I, we've been doing this for a while and 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 we interview so many people. Yeah. And, and to be able to, to sit here and realize, honestly, this is probably the most important part of being an entrepreneur, like making sure that you fully understand what you're actually trying to accomplish within your, within your business and the health of your mindset. So let's talk about, you know, you, you said COVID happened. You had to work more hours than you, you'd had to work in a long time, which is funny because everybody thought everybody was quarantined and wasn't working, but you and I actually talked about it. Dude, I, the I hours Yeah, exactly. I, I could know? not understand how people were like twiddling their thumbs, watching Netflix all day. I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't have time for anything except what I got to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. So how, when those moments happen where you're, you're working so hard to get to the freedom aspect and then something completely out of your control, like COVID happening and, and it rips that away from you. 
how do you both like mentally and just within your business kind of overcome that struggle yeah. when it's like, man, I've worked for this freedom and now I just got yanked away from me. How'd you kind of overcome that? Such a good question. Um, what immediately comes to mind for me, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to steal a line from Tony Robbins, the great Tony Robbins. Um, for years, RJ, I've chosen to see life as something that happens for me, not to me. So immediately when COVID hit and I was like, wow, this, this, this just got real. Like it hit the fan, as they say. I took a step back and I said, okay, this is an opportunity to step up. And this is something, this is a blessing. I don't know what that looks like. And, you know, things are getting real estate deals is probably going to get a little tougher for me, at least in the interim. I didn't know. I'm, I'm, this is like right when it happened. And I immediately just thought to myself, there's a blessing in all of this. I just have to look for it. And I think when you choose to, you can see that cup half full or half empty. So when, when, when adversity strikes, you're meant to learn, you're meant to grow, but do you choose to see it that way? Or are you going to kind of throw yourself to the party? And I, I heard this on a podcast years ago and it served me very well since then. Whenever something like adversity strikes and it's rough, I give myself a very short period of time to feel whatever I feel. And then I just kick it into overdrive and I'm like, all right, now it's time to like see this for what it's meant to be, which is a blessing. And this is happening for me, not to me. And that's the simplest way I can tell you that I personally deal with adversity. So when COVID hit, dude, it got my blood pumping. It got like, because I didn't know what was going to happen. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, there was going to be a lot of change. I knew that I just didn't know what it looked like. My team, I, I could tell they, they were somewhat fearful and so I had to quickly control the narrative and tell a different story. Yeah, look, I don't know what's going to happen over the course of the next 30, 60, 90 days, but here's how we're going to approach what we do. Let's just focus on what we can control. Let's not worry about the outside. Right. Um, so that, that served me well, man. And look, by no means do I have all the answers. I certainly don't. And I make mistakes on a daily. You know what I mean? Like I make a ton of mistakes. And uh, I certainly don't have all the answers. I still have coaches I go to and, and masterminds I'm a part of just like you. Um, I connect with guys like you. And sometimes, hey, dude, I'm struggling here. I got this going on. Yeah. Be open. Don't, don't pretend like you have all the answers because nobody does. Uh, right. But yeah, man, it's just I think it's all perspective. I think it's all how you choose to see what happens to you. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, last question before we wrap up here. We talked about, you know, the, the mindset aspect of things. And, and we, we titled this discovering your passion. I want to tap into what I think is going to be a fairly large amount of people listening to this podcast, which is, I don't want to start a podcast. I don't want to start a mastermind. I, I don't want to be an influencer of sorts. I don't want to change people's lives. Like that's mm -hmm. not a calling of mine. Yep. And, and I don't want to have a $10 million real estate company either. I don't really know what my passion is what are some things that someone could do to try to essentially find that passion Yeah, if they're quote unquote lacking passion for anything? Like, because I think there's a lot of people that kind of just look around and they look at someone like you and they're like, well, that's great, Alex, that you want to change people's lives, but I don't, I don't think I can, or I, that's not something I want to do. How do they find that? There, there, first of all, the, for those people that are listening that you find yourself in that position, I applaud you. You're in an amazing place. And that might surprise you to hear that coming out of my mouth because, dude, the world is your oyster. Like, go on an exploration. Like, play with this, play with that, 
figure out what, like talk to people, network with people, put yourself in environments and situations and just be open to whatever the world, the universe, God, whatever you believe in is going to bring into your world. But it doesn't happen until you take some type of action. And, and I, I almost hate to use the words take action because I feel like it's just so overused, but activity, right? Like speed of implementation. If you don't know what to do, do something and uh, almost approach it like with a mind of, hey, I'm going to explore if I potentially like this. We all have certain interests, right? And I'm not one to say, hey, what, you, you know, your hobby should become your passion or what you're passionate about should be your business. Because dude, sometimes I know a buddy of mine that, uh, that loves playing guitar and he actually tried to become a musician and he failed miserably. And now he hates playing the guitar. So like, I think the way I would answer that question, RJ, is first of all, figure out what inspires you, figure out what motivates you, put yourself in that. If you don't know what to do, just start experimenting, exploring with different things, connecting with people. Maybe what you want to do is, you know, if you don't want to start a podcast, you do something where you connect with people and you interview them about how they found their passion, right? Um, just put yourself in a place and just have an open mind to what the universe, the world, God wants to do for you. One of the, one of the things, a practical exercise that, uh, that I've gone through many times is Dan Sullivan's genius zone. Have you heard about this? I, I have not. So Dan Sullivan, uh, owner of strategic coach, uh, he's got this exercise called the genius zone and the genius zone in a nutshell, let me, let me in a minute or two, try to explain it. It's an email that if you Google Dan Sullivan, genius zone, email template, you should be able to find it. Essentially, it's an email that you send out to 20 people that know you. And it should be a mix of family, friends, coworkers or associates, um, acquaintances, just people that know at least a little bit about you. And the email basically says, hey, I'm doing a lot of inner work. I'm trying to discover my calling, my passion, my unique ability, my genius zone. What do you think from your perspective comes natural and easy to me? What do you think are my strengths? And when you send this out to 20 people, ask me how I know you're going to have to follow up several times because people are busy and they got their own thing going on. Oftentimes, people see things in you that you might not even see in yourself. Like when I did this exercise, RJ, I had easily 80 to 90% of the people told me I was a great connector. I never once thought of myself as a connector. Like never once. Like it just never even dawned on me that I naturally, when I talk to you, if I know that you want something or that you're challenged with something, naturally my brain goes to work. Hey, let me send him this resource or let me connect RG with this person. That's just how I operate. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So when you figure out what your zone is, that's what you need to start leaning into. I and love it. There, so there you can discover potentially what you're passionate about. So you gave two great answers there, and, and I'm just going to back them up with giving per, personal examples of how what you just said have actually happened to me. So, uh, you know, Cassie, my partner, she's always told everybody, RJ's the best closer I've ever seen in person. And I always thought, she just said that because she's my partner, right? Like that's what she's supposed to say. She's supposed to talk me up. And, and because she kept saying that, it gave me more and more confidence. And then going through the Closers Olympics, it was like, man, you weren't just, it, it was like, she gave me that confidence. And I was like, you weren't just saying that. Like, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was funny to see that because I never I never once thought of myself as a, a good closer. Yeah. Like that's not ever something I I told myself. I I've never gone on a podcast and said, "Man, I'm great at closing sellers." That's never been something I've ever said. And but she said that, and it made me feel that way. The second thing is is taking that action, right? I love doing podcasts. Prior to ever being on a podcast or having a camera in my face, I would have told you, no way, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. The first ever podcast that I was ever on was the Joe Fairless podcast. And I did it on my cell phone, standing inside Cassie's laundry room. And for the first minute, I was so nervous, I could barely even speak. And it's archived now because it was so long ago, but I used to go back and listen to it and laugh at myself. I couldn't even say like, thanks for having me, Joe. It, it, I was, I was just out of breath. There was nothing there. I can and, relate. Yeah. And then I went on Don Costa's podcast right after that. And, and I just, I felt more comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and, and from there I just, I literally, those are the only two podcasts I ever listened to prior to starting the titanium vault. Can I share something with you, RJ, along those lines really quick, man? And and I want to be respectful of time. So you just let me know when we got to cut off here. But the first, so I was always, I used to be fearful of public speaking. Now I feel like I do it all the time, right? The first 200 and something episodes of the Flip Empire show was audio only. I never once did it on video because I was nervous to be on video and see myself and the other person and like, I wasn't intimidated by it. I just, there was something about it that didn't make me feel comfortable. And I realized whatever you're fearful of is what you need to lean into. And most people, this is where they stop, right? Like we all have fears, but you got to break through that. You got, you got to, it's, it's that false evidence appearing real. It's BS. It's the stuff we make up in our heads. So man, I've done 421 episodes. More than half of them were just audio only. And that was a big mistake. I wish I had those video files now, right? For numerous yeah. reasons. Um, and now I'm so comfortable just getting on a stage or getting in front of a camera. Like it's just because you do it and it just, it's consistency. And now it just becomes almost like second nature. Like I completely forgot people were watching us. It just, you get, you get immersed in the conversation and you're just in the moment, you know? Amen, man. And look to that point, uh, I did the same mistake. Uh, I do have the earlier episodes on YouTube, but if you go watch it, it's just a static image of the guest. Mm. That's it. <laughs> well, that's all, the up, all the way up until like half, like half of last year is we probably only been doing the video for like a year now. There you go. Like, what was I thinking? I, I, I just, I didn't want this little tiny camera in front of my face. And uh, my first ever guest on the podcast was Daniel Moore from Berpelio. And after the interview, he was like, man, that was great. We got to get you to come on Propelio TV. And I was like, oh, no, dude, I, I don't do, <laughs> I don't do like the cameras. And he was like, what, what are you talking about? Fast forward like a year and a half, I go on Propelio TV. And then now, then I have a show on Propelio TV. I mean, we were full uh, on Titanium right. Tuesdays, the cameras, the light. And I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it, man. So to your point. Go out there and just take the action. You never know what you're going to fall in love with. Uh, if you're just sitting there and you're like, I just don't know if this is for me or not. I know a ton of people that have gotten into the media side of things, real estate side of things, because they went out and they did it one time and they fell in love with it. So, That's right. Alex, uh, thank you so much, man, for, for sharing everything that you did today. 
guys, uh, I know this, this wasn't about real estate, but this is about real life. This is about overcoming your mindset as an entrepreneur. And, and like we titled it, discovering your passion, Alex, I'm so happy for you, man, that, that you found that passion. And, and I look forward to, to continuing to follow your journey on changing people's lives. Um, not only with the Ascend Mastermind, but all of the other things that I know you're going to create in the future. So honored to be, uh, be your friend and, and be able to share each other's podcasts with other people. Uh, guys, like I always say, that's our episode for this week. If you're watching on iTunes, I only accept five star ratings. <laughs> Normally, I tell you to take the lower ratings and give them to somebody else, but not Alex. Okay, really, Steve Train's the only guy that likes three star ratings. So you can uh, give them <laughs> uh, but five star ratings only for us. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. Alex, thank you so much, man. Thank you, my friend. Love what you're doing. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.